0: Live from the desert cities of Southern California, your car is not a refrigerator. Getting all revved up. Now, here's Todd Bianco.
1: Welcome back. I'm here with John McMullen, and we're going to do Bring a Trailer now, John. Really? Yep. I better go uh, polish the hitch. Yep. It's a good idea, because there's some interesting sales this week. Yeah, there are- um, Last week when I was on the air, when we, were, when we were recording the show, I mentioned that there was this Toyota 4Runner that went for sale. It had 5,000 miles, 1996, third-generation Toyota 4Runner. And it had all the bells and whistles on it, uh, you know, SR5 model, blah, blah, blah. And it sold today for $43,000. You can wow. buy a brand-new 4Runner top of the line for that money right now.
2: Why do you think so much?
1: It's third generation Toyota 4Runner and everybody thinks that's the best one. Ah, okay. So, and the the guy that bought it says he's looking forward to bringing it to his ranch in Colorado and, you know, doesn't think it's any problem paying $43,000 for it. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I went and looked at the Toyota 4Runner and how much it costs and you can get you know a, a brand new one they start at 36,000 uh and then the uh the limited which is one of their top of the line ones is 44,000 and the nightshade version of that is 46,000 so it's it's it, for for that kind of money you can buy the brand new nightshade edition <laughs> Pretty, pretty stunning. Yeah. And the other, the other thing we talked about last time, and I thought I'm going to make it pr- sort of an ongoing uh, thing that we do here. I, I remember I had a, I had the original window sticker from a Ferrari, and it was a yep. uh, 1980, f- 1990, no, t- 2015 Ferrari f- 458 Special Aptera. Uh, and, you know, we the, the, some of the, the options were ridiculous, and including the one that said – Other options, forty thousand dollars without a breakdown. If I recall right, the
2: (laughs) delivery fee was over three grand or something. Yeah,
1: easily. And uh, the car, the car's MSRP was four hundred and three thousand thirty six dollars, and had thirteen thousand miles on it. So it's five years old. It sold a day for four hundred and (laughs) seventy six thousand. Wow, that's insane. (laughs) What? what Especially when you don't know that somebody
2: who's got a big old truck isn't going to plow it into the corner.
1: Uh, that's true. But my, my guess is whoever buys it, you know, they already have money and, and it's going to be going in the garage with the other Ferraris. Right. You know, it's just it's, it's, it's that kind of a buyer. And obviously, you know, half a million dollars is no big deal to that person. They wanted it. They got it. <laughs> Pretty stunning. Now, <clears throat> last week you picked uh, some interesting cars, and uh, one of them was a 1972 Datsun 240Z, and it was um, it was lime green. If you remember, it was really very beautifully done. I mean, the the interior was all redone. It was you know, meticulously detailed, and uh, the paint was flawless, even though it was a lime green. Well, it was bid to 26,250, and it did not sell.
2: Nope.
1: Nope. Nobody wanted it, I guess, at that price. I guess, I guess they were hoping to get closer to thirty. I don't know what they were planning to get. They don't tell you what it is, but oftentimes when things are bid to that kind of level, uh, the the person who was the high bidder ends up talking to the seller, and they make an uh, you know an off you know off website deal for the car. Hmm. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but uh, that's usually what happens with well, those. Well, if kinds I see that things.
2: lime green mobile going by, I'm going to know which one it was because it was yes. fairly distinctive.
1: You couldn't miss it. Now, yeah. another one you picked was a 1939 Buick Roadmaster Phaeton Convertible 81C. That sold for $34,000, so it did sell. Um, you know, th- these kind of cars like that do not have high values now because collectors are not that interested in them. You know, they were interested in $43,000 for a Toyota truck or 46000 <laughs> instead. Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, that did sell. Uh, And then the other thing that you picked was the uh, Pontiac Chieftain, right? 1958 Pontiac Chieftain convertible. And it was red and white two-tone. And it was spectacular. It was like a parade queen basically, right?
2: Yep.
1: Okay. Well, that sold for a stunning amount of money. How much? (laughs) $81,958. Goodness. Uh huh. I mean, they're they're cute because it was you know since it was 1958 the, the right. bid was 81958. Oh, I know. Uh, that's a lot of money for that car.
2: Yes, it is.
1: <laughs> what recession? What recession? We keep asking that question. Yeah, I know. I
2: need <laughs> to have better friends. I think people who have uh, more souped up trailers than I to bring. They probably have an enclosed trailer. <laughs>
1: probably, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, they have a, they have a transporter as opposed to just a trailer. Uh, okay. Uh, my picks were a little bit uh, different though. I had a 1982 AMC Eagle Wagon Limited and it had a little over 100,000 miles on it and it was really in excellent shape if you like these kind of weird AMC cars, which I do. It was sort of like the forerunner of an SUV today. It was, you know, sort of tall, it stood up, you know, several inches above the regular one and it was all-wheel, you know, 4 wheel drive and this one had all the various bells and whistles, you know, automatic air conditioning, uh power, you know, Power, you know steering power brakes uh, it had the inline six-cylinder engine it was pretty well and, and uh what looked like fine Corinthian leather seats but were probably just vinyl uh it sold for ten thousand dollars there was a lot, hot bidding at the end believe it or not there was people kept putting in and a bid for another hundred another hundred another 200 right, and eventually somebody us. just bid another thousand and they won well,
2: good so that sold. Come, <clears throat>
1: Now, the other car that I picked was a 1969 R Code Mercury Cougar Eliminator. And you said you had a friend that had one similar to this. It was that beautiful blue color. Right. right?
2: Yeah. My friend Kent Severson.
1: Yeah. Well, this is, and at the time I I read you some of the, uh, it had been listed in various other websites asking for, you know, 120, 150, then it had been reduced to 90. Those, you know, so the pricing had been all over the place on it. Well, it sold. For fifty six thousand five hundred, oh, wow. not even <laughs> it actually sold. So it didn't. Whatever it was, it, it did have a you know it did have a reserve. So it must have met the reserve, but it sold. And it's far less, even though it's a beautiful car. But it's far less than uh, than than the owner had hoped for. And the comments were basically you know that the person got a good deal. It's a beautiful car, but the that Cougars are not getting the same love as Mustangs. Someday, mm. eventually, right? Yep. Ah, someday. All right. So this week, uh, you have some other interesting picks. And one of them was sort of almost a repeat. And let's start with the Smokey and the Bandit. Burt Reynolds' 1977 Pontiac Firebird Trans Am.
2: And we talked about that from the whole um, Smokey and the Bandit era uh, with Burt Reynolds and uh, uh, Sally Fields. And and then it turns out that this car was actually owned by Burt.
1: Yes, and he signed it. The dash is signed. It looks a little worse for wear and tear inside. The outside looks better than the inside. Yeah, but it it was Burt Reynolds yes and and, and, it, and it has pictures of him and signing it and it has like a jersey and and a hat that he had that he wore or no, a jacket and a hat that he wore it's all signed nice. and it's got you know it's a black with the gold with you know the gold firebird it's right. called the screaming chicken uh, decal on the front and all the trim on the car is gold as well and uh, it, it's quite the quite the look and let me uh, read what it says here it says this 1977 Pontiac Firebird transam is a black on black example uh, that was formerly owned by the late actor Burt Reynolds the car is powered by a 6.6 liter V8 paired with a 3 speed turbo automatic and was optioned with the Y82 special edition package which included gold snowflake alloy wheels, a Hearst T-top, and unique graphics and trim. A cosmetic refurbishment was reportedly carried out during Mr. Reynolds' ownership, and the work is said to have included a repaint, interior refreshments, and addition of Bandit lettering on the driver's door. Oh, nice. (laughs) The hood and dashboard were signed by Mr. Reynolds prior to his sale in 2015. And the Trans Am is now on offer. It's in Costa Mesa, California. Uh, You can uh, look at it. Now, what I found interesting is it it, it had the actual uh, sticker. And I'm going to make that sort of a... Uh, a segment when I I read some of these old sticker prices to, you know, so you can see how much they charge for some of these things. Uh, the, the big option package on this was the special edition that was $1,143, which is pretty expensive. The car, the car was, um, the, the base car is $6,717. So adding, you know, adding, uh, adding this, you know, to it was, you know, a big, a big, a big, uh, big number. And the other one was custom air conditioning. Now I don't know what was custom about it, but it has, that one was $478. And, you know, these days air conditioning is standard at almost every car. You know, it's not even, you know, you don't even think about it. You know, it has, a uh, you know, the steering, let's see, steel belted radial tires were extra for $45 and 60 cents. <laughs> And it had an AM FM stereo radio. That was a big purchase item, too. That was $233. And power windows was $108. So it actually, you know, it 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 you know, it came to a fairly large MSRP. It came up to $8,082. So it was, uh, you know, an, an expensive car at the time. Uh, it really was up there. Uh, let's see. Now, your other pick was... Uh, quite the 60s car. And this was a 1964 Mercury Comet Caliente Tropic. I mean, Caliente convertible. Uh, And you like, what did you like about this car, John? You know,
2: I, there was another car that was a convertible and it was uh, red and red. And Mm -hmm. uh, I almost picked that one. And I was like, no, I've been doing too much of this Red stuff, red. and I would never yeah. have before thought about red vehicles. We talked about that last week. but Right. But um, I just thought that this was a was a, a cool car and would look neat to be able to drive around in, in Palm Springs in.
1: I think so, too. I, it, it's fairly rare because it's a Mercury. So this yeah. 1964 Mercury Comet Caliente convertible is powered by a 289 cubic HV8, uh, which is the same thing that's in a Mustang, by the way. I could have three almost speedo-
2: seen uh, JFK in this thing.
1: That, yeah, maybe, or even Sinatra tooling around, yeah. Yeah. Um, Because it has sort of a tuxedo look to it, doesn't it? With the black and white interior as well. Uh, Let's see, it's... uh, uh, it was refinished in dark midnight blue. I guess that's blue. It looks like black to me. Uh, over a two-tone black and white interior. Uh, additional features include a black soft top, aftermarket custom chrome wheels, and an AM radio. Uh, it was recently acquired by the seller and is now on offer with a shop manual, service records, and a clean Arizona title. So it's. I think it's. I think it's a really cool car. I thought it was black. I hate to say it but when I first when I looked at it. I thought it was black. I did and until I, it looked black to me. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it just looked like a black car. But I, I do think I could see this in front of a you know a, a house in Palm Springs. It it has that look to it.
2: Yes, sir, it does.
1: It would do very well. Uh, when we get back, lots more bring a trailer in my picks. This is Todd Bianco with John McMullen. You're listening to All Revved Up on iHub Radio, and we'll be right back.
0: from the desert cities of Southern California your car is not a refrigerator getting all revved up now here's Todd Bianco
1: welcome back I'm here with John McMullen and we were talking bring a trailer John so I picked two beige 80s sedans I was gonna say are, you're
2: a little bit on the plain side today
1: very plain. So let me talk about the first one. I didn't realize it was closing today, so I I did pick a third one that's much more exotic. But uh, this is a 1986 Volvo D240 DL. It's basically a boxy Volvo sedan. It had only you know six, 60,000 miles on it, 59,000 miles. Uh, it spent time in, so what it says here is that this 1986 Volvo spent time in California before relocating to Arizona in 2014. And being recently purchased by the seller who is in Maryland, it's finished in yellow, kind of looks beigey over a brown, uh, you know, cloth interior. Power comes from a 2.3-liter inline four mated to a four-speed automatic. Uh, equipment includes air conditioning, heated front two seats. That's a very valuable thing to have because uh, Swedish cars, I think, all had them standard, uh, and an AM/FM cassette stereo. Let's see. During uh, during 2019, prior ownership uh, service uh, included replacing the steering rack and valve cover gasket, recharging the air conditioning system, uh, flushing of the steering and brake fluids, and it's now offered uh, with a clean Carfax and a Maryland title. Um, I just what I liked about it is that it's it's an amazingly well kept example of a Volvo before it was ruined by Ford and then before it was sold by Ford to the Chinese. It's very, very solid. You could drive this car for another 100,000 miles and have very little problems with it. Uh, Give it to your kid or something. It's probably even very safe just because it's such a tank. Uh, And at the end, there were quite a few bids for this car. Uh, It was no reserve. And it ended up selling for nine thousand one hundred dollars today, a pretty good deal for somebody. But uh, people were so astonished that it even went that high. People thought it would have settled in the you know the six hundred, I mean the six thousand dollar range. And it kept getting bid up. I mean up and up and up. One of the things that I, I talk about and bring a trailer is that if you bid within the last two minutes, it resets the clock again. So yeah, there's no game by you know if you bid at the last second you're not going to get the car just because of that you know you're going to have to you know 2 minutes gets reset every time somebody does that and i keep hearing the little tune you know there's there's a sound that it plays on your computer you know the browser if if another bid is placed and you know it keeps going you know it could be going off every few seconds when you're at the end of one of these auctions now the other car the other car that i chose was I just am surprised that it even exists. This is a 1981 Dodge Aries K sedan. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful sunlight yellow over beige cloth. So essentially the same color scheme as the Volvo. Uh, It has 58,000 miles, almost the same as the Volvo. And it says this Dodge Aries custom sedan was sold new in Arizona, where it was acquired by the selling dealer. The actual selling dealer acquired it in 2020. So the dealer sold it in 1981 and reacquired it in 2020, probably from the owner who died. Power is from a carbureted 2.2 liter inline four paired with a three speed automatic transaxle. The car is finished in sunlight yellow over beige interior, beige cloth, not, not to vinyl, and with seating for six. So three in front and three in back. Specialty, you know, it had wow. uh, uh, air conditioning. Which was an option, a wood grain trim, all oh, beautiful, and a digital clock and a factory AM push button radio. Recent service has included replacement of the radiator hoses and uh, fuel filler. Uh, See the first year K car. Its first year is offered by the selling dealer at no reserve with a clean Carfax report. Uh, it has. It's already bid up to forty one hundred dollars, which is probably more than it was new, but. the the fact that it even survived because most of these cars rusted or fell apart and were crushed. The fact that you can even see one that even looks like it came out of the showroom is stunning. Just, just for that, just for that reason that it's still there. It was, it looks to be garage kept. It's original paint. There doesn't seem to be any fading anywhere. The seats look very, very fresh. So they probably had a car cover, you know, they had covers on the seats. Um, Wow. I, I I don't think I'd buy it, but I've got to say I'm amazed by it. And it's uh, that people are interested in, uh, I bring a trailer just because of what it is, that they're sort of fascinated. It already has 156 comments. Wow. Which you is know, more than a lot of cards. My and,
2: my maternal grandfather had one. A K-Car did it fall apart and die? Uh, Probably. <laughs> I, I just kind of cringed when he'd show up in front of the house
1: with it. They were very, very popular, you know, and uh, well, the K car was also th- the uh,
2: responsible for the the resurgence of Chrysler, wasn't it? Wasn't that when Lee Iacocca turned it all around? Yes,
1: it was, and uh, and also it was the basis for the minivan, which was like eighty five, I think, which really saved Chrysler because that was a huge selling car. But it was the same basic platform as it was a K car platform that was the uh, that was the minivan, so. These were huge sellers for Chrysler, and they did. They saved the company. As crappy as it was, the fact that this is still there is just amazing to me. Uh, You're listening to Todd Bianco with John McMullen. This is all revved up on iHub Radio, and we'll have more car talk when we get back.
0: From the desert cities of Southern California, your car is not a refrigerator. Getting all revved up. Now, here's Todd Bianco.
1: Welcome back. I'm here with John McMullen. And I said before that I had one more bring a trailer pick. And I'd like to do that now, John. Okay. It is a 1969 Citroën DS21 Palace. Hold it on. Is, I, I
2: got to write that down now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, DS is the uh, model. Twenty one refers to the two point one liter engine, and Palas is a is basically a trim level. It was their more plush version of the car. Um, let's see. What I find interesting is that it has sixteen hundred miles on it from nineteen sixty nine. You just don't see them. You know, this thing looks like it really is brand new right off the showroom floor, and it, it has a story, and that's what I thought was, was most interested in. Uh, this 1969 Citroen DS21 was purchased by an aircraft technician in September of 1969 from Vancouver, uh, Citroën in British Columbia, after it had sustained cosmetic damage while being used as a dealer demonstrator. I wonder who I wonder who did that. <laughs> The first owner kept the car for 48 years and intended to repair it himself, though it was only registered until February 1970. So he, like, registered it for one year. And it was reportedly remained in his garage storage for the remainder of his ownership. Damage repairs were carried out around 1990. Uh, and the car was acquired by the seller in 2017, showing just under 19 19- 900 miles. A subsequent recommissioning returned this DS-21 to the road uh, in 2000, July 2019 and it won the honorary uh, Chief Judge, Judge's Award at the 2019 Vancouver Island Concourse d'Elegance Uh, Finish is in Gris Nars, which is uh, basically a gray or silver gray, basically, over red cloth. And it is red cloth. Um, The car is powered by a 2.175 liter CC inline four with Citromatic semi-automatic transaxle and is now offered uh, with a 1969-1970 registration document they better get the title right on this before they sell it, but uh, uh, it's already been bid up to $36,000. It has, you know, what, 178 comments or something like that. Is so
2: anything like Citronella?
1: Not <laughs> really. It's a very sort of interesting, it's a four-speed semi-automatic transmission. And what that means is that there's no clutch pedal, but you still have to shift it. Hmm.
2: Okay.
1: <laughs> so... So you go to a certain point and then you sort of lift off the off the the, the the gas and you shift it and it's it's on the it's not really on the tree. It's sort of on the tree. It's it's kind of like the shifter that is just to the left side of the steering wheel on the dashboard. And, you know, you go through the four gears.
2: Hmm. Huh. Okay. That was
1: their version of an automatic back then. I see. No, no, and, and and the brake pedals on these cars look like mushrooms. You just sort of because it's all done through the hydraulic system, so you just sort of apply pressure to the mushroom. Gotcha, and, and it's not the same one the president has. Okay, so oh, of course. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm interested in this car because it really looks like it's brand new. I mean, it, it's it had been sitting for so long, for and then you know people have been spent whoever did this spent a lot of money on it, far more than thirty six thousand dollars in the restoration because this thing was stripped down to the you know every piece every body panel was taken off everything was you know meticulously painted and, and then put back together it, you know someone spent a lot of money so it's it's a it's quite the car, quite the thing to look at at least. Uh, it still looks like a spaceship it is a goddess as i said uh, it's a d in, in french deus is means goddess and ds is exactly almost that's what it sounded like so when the french people said ds it sounded like they were saying goddess so they said it's a goddess and she is a goddess that's for sure and floating down the street with this weird sort of uh, you know it, it, the way it floats the way it has, you know the suspension goes up and down interesting stuff now Last week I did some, some I looked at that uh, Ferrari uh, uh, window sticker and I found a few others on Bring a tailor that I thought were interesting. Uh, this one is a 1963 Fairlane 500 Squire wagon in raven black. It was $2,781. Mm, okay. Lots of money back then, right? Uh, it, it, you had to pay $154 for the 260 V8 uh, with two valves per cylinder. Wow. Uh, it had Ford Matic, ford matic transmission. That was $189.60. And by comparison, uh, power steering was $81. Power brakes was, because they, they didn't have that in the car. These are all standard things now. Power brakes were $43.00. Uh, an AM radio was $58. That was expensive. Wow. Backup, light, backup lights were optional. <laughs> and that Those were $10.70. Uh, let's see. Tinted windows, $40. Uh, luggage rack and in chrome was $45. And then it had the uh, uh, wood paneling. The You know, the, the wood paneling on the side, that was $161. That was an expensive option. You... Yeah, it had uh, let's see a safety dash and visors were extra for $24 and seat belts were extra for, for $16.80. <laughs> and then you had the washer wiper system which was a two-speed wiper uh, that was extra as well for $20. And then you had to pay extra for the really good four-ply white sidewall tires that was $37. Things have changed. They have. Most, most of I make are, you
2: pay me now to take an AM radio.
1: Oh yeah, most of these things are standard now. Um, let's see. What? What? When was this? This was a, uh, a Chevy. Uh, what was this? Oh, oh, and uh, is it uh, an adrenaline red? What's this vehicle? Uh I can't find what I what it was. I printed it out. I, didn't, I don't even know what it was. An eight speed tool clutch uh transmission. Uh this it's a Chevy, uh oh, this is uh might have been a Corvette. I don't know. It's 83. Yeah. Oh, that was the Corvette that sold uh, for, that was the Corvette I talked about earlier that sold on Bring a Trailer for 83. It was sold for uh, over $12,000 over the sticker price. Yeah, the the, the MSRP on that was 83,000. Now I remember, remember what that was. Um, a Pontiac, a 1970 Firebird Trans Am with Ram Air. Now this is getting bid quite high on burner Trailer right now. Um, this one was interesting because it started at, uh, the, it was an expensive, but the, it was the, the Trans Am was its own trim level and it was $4,305 with a $75 destination fee. Um, and then the various packages were very small. I mean, but compared to, the, you know, the, everything was just, you know, but bundled into the Trans Am package, you had to pay for the uh, radio push button radio with antenna, with a, with the antenna was sixty one dollars. That was the most expensive option on it. Wow! If you wanted a rear speaker, that was fifteen dollars and eighty cents. Let's see, molding decor was thirty one dollars. And let's see, what else did we have? We had a trunk floor mat of eight dollars. And uh, let's see, belts, custom seat uh, seat belts were twelve dollars and sixty four cents. How about that? And door guards custom were six seat stars. belts? Yeah. What would a
2: custom seat belt be?
1: It had a shoulder harness. Oh. The the seat belts used to be just you know the seat you know just the the one way with as opposed to the one with a harness. So this one had a harness that I guess probably was in the head you know the side headliner above the door. So that th- those I thought were you know fairly interesting. Uh, and then this one was a 1983 Oldsmobile Custom Cruiser station wagon uh, with the with the two seat with the with the with the seat in back. And now this was from like I said 83. And uh, let's see what the expensive. This is this is a very highly optioned car. Even though Oldsmobile was considered a fairly good division, uh, a six-way power divided seats. Two hundred and ten dollars. Uh, let's see. Uh, as the dog jumps up, fall over me. Um, uh, let's see. Um, Re reclining a seat, passenger side, is seventy dollars. Uh, the third row seat was two hundred and twenty. Uh, th- let's see the um, uh, the the wood grain paneling, which everybody has to have, was two hundred and ninety dollars. Uh, power windows uh, which was extra of course was $255 uh, let's see and we have air conditioner $725 that was the single largest uh, option uh, again which is standard now on almost every car uh, window defogger electric in the rear was $135 uh, uh, let's see uh, steering uh, let's Steering wheel tilt. A tilt steering wheel was $105. Uh, simula- wheel disc, a wheel bra- disc wheel uh, brakes were 181 because so I guess wheel, front wheel discs weren't standard. Uh, the another expensive option was the Delco uh, AM FM Stereo uh, CB. Radio with tri band and antenna and dual rear speakers, $473. And it still has it. The trip odometer was $16. Uh, A clock, quartz clock, was $35. Uh, Luggage rack was $150. Uh, the cooling system, a high-capacity cooling system, was another $40. Uh, and uh, let's see, reminder, inside package includes uh, the various other gauges that that they added to the car were $40. So it, it had quite a bit of options. It, it started at $10,000, and there were $4,000 $4, worth of options. So the car ended up at $14,000. And that was, a, in those days, that was a highly optioned car.
2: Yeah, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, when you add forty percent to the sticker. When did we
2: finally get smart enough to say don't put wood anymore or the appearance of wood anymore on the exterior of a car?
1: I don't know. I guess we gave it up when we gave up station wagons. Yeah, I, I don't know when the last. I mean, I haven't. I don't. You know, I haven't seen it on any other cars since. So it might have been station wagons, and I think Chrysler was doing them on their minivans as well. He didn't uh, which Ford
2: was, do them like on the Rancheros?
1: Um, yes, I think so. But that was kind of like a station wagon without the, you know, with just the two front seats, right? Yeah,
2: where it just had basically the truck bed, but it was the lower vehicle, not like a truck.
1: Right. It was probably a station wagon, really, just really a station wagon just hollowed out to make a bed. That's probably what it was. Uh, this one I thought was interesting. This was a 1968 Corvette Coupe with a 300 and, with a 327 cubic inch engine with 365 horsepower uh, and a four-speed transmission. Now, the blue this the blue color was standard, but the four-speed transmission set you back another 188 dollars. Um, the V8 engine, the extra the bigger engine, was 107 dollars. Uh, the transistor in ignition, not radio, ignition was $75. Uh, the pro, positive traction rear axle was $43. Uh, extra for the better tires, $31. Mm-hmm. Vacuum power brakes, woo, 146, $176. And a four season air conditioner, rare in a Corvette, was $421. So it was 10% of the price of the car. The car started at $4,252. And the, the air conditioner was essentially 10% of that price. Hmm. That's a lot. Yeah, I mean, yeah. for 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 an option. So the total for the car, was this is a 64 Corvette, was $5,469. Again, expensive for the year. I mean, it was probably double what a station wagon was for the most part. This is Todd Bianco with John McMullen. We'll be right back.
0: News, weather, truth, and fun. We're iHub Radio, homegrown in the Coachella Valley. For the love of cars, this is All Revved Up. Here's Todd.
1: Welcome back. I'm here with John McMullen. Hello, John. Hey, Todd. Some more news, Uh, for the 2021 model year, Toyota is offering its Supra with a two liter four cylinder engine. Usually it was just the inline six. And of course people think that's heresy because all the Supras up until now have had an inline six cylinder engine. But this is a car that's basically sharing uh, engines and platforms with BMW. And BMW. So that what that what this is is this is BMW's two-liter uh, turbo four with 255 horsepower and 299 295 pound-feet of torque. Uh, it's the same uh, car, same engine that you would get in a 330i or an X3 2.0. Uh, there's no manual transmission, but it's still using the superb uh, ZF eight-speed automatic that is uh, pretty telepathic. I, I mean, it really works with your foot. It does what you want it to do when you want it to do it. Uh while the car has re- reduced power, it also has reduced weight, and the people who have driven it think they like it almost better than the, the, the six-cylinder version just because it seems like it's more tossable. It's more fun to be in. It starts at uh, $43,945, and that's $6,000 less than the six-cylinder one. Our friends at Lordstown Motors have given us some more details about their car. This is uh, the company that is that bought the Lordstown, Ohio, GM plant uh, that was building the Chevy Cruze that GM closed, and they sold it to this company. And they've revealed that, but, but first of all, what's interesting about their pickup truck, they're building a pickup truck, and what, what their uh, electric pickup truck, and what they're doing is they're putting a motor in every wheel. So it's an in-wheel motor, and the system, uh, the the motor itself is being licensed from a a Slovenian company called Elaphe, E-L-A-P-H-E, but it's going to be built there on premise. So they're they're basically licensing the the technology and 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 the the the, uh, the schematics to build it themselves in a twenty thousand square foot area of the factory. Uh, and I'm sure they'll get help from that company setting it up so that it's you know produced right. Moving the motors to the out, outer wheels has poten- potentially allows for extra space within a vehicle's footprint, but also adds what they call unsprung mass. Usually. The mass that's between the four wheels is considered sprung mass because you have shock absorbers and springs at each wheel. But when you move them to the wheel, it's considered unsprung mass and, and mass, mass. And so that makes it a little more difficult to tune. Uh, it also means that if you, you know, mash a wheel, you've mashed one of your motors, which could be a problem and is more expensive. Uh, and it could also, if you even hit a bad pothole, could also uh Make you know, one of the motors no longer viable. So it'll be interesting to see how this is being done. It's the first time. It's the first time we've seen that Rivian is having four four motors, but their motors are inside. They're not in the wheels. They're inside in the chassis. So it's sprung weight on the Rivian. There's a separate motor driving each wheel, but it's part of the chassis. So that's how Rivian is doing their four wheel version. This one's a little bit different. So we'll see how it works out. Now we've been told that the future of Smart is promising by the Mercedes people, but this is you know the Smart car that 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 you know sort of has gone now for the time being. Uh, Mercedes sold half of the company to Geely of China. Uh, And now what's happening is that uh, Mercedes is engineering it, but they're also using uh, Geely's know-how to uh, build an electric car because these are going to be all electric cars now sold in the rest of the world. Daimler thinks they're going to bring them back uh, even to the United States, but their biggest focus will be on China, of course. Uh, The companies are working to create a scalable platform. And with enough volume to be successful, uh, Smart is due to introduce like a, a new electric four two and four four models by the middle of 2021, and by 2022 they're going to have a compact uh, electric SUV, which of course will sell well. But uh, electric four two and four four. Uh, I've always thought it's interesting how they did the models. It's F-O-R, T-W-O, and F-O-R, F-O-U-R. So the 4-4 the, the four, four has four doors and will sit four people, and the 4-2 you know, two has two doors and will seat two people. Uh, so that is coming back, believe it or not. Joint venture between Geely and Daimler. Hmm. Now here's a shocking headline. Fa- the families that control BMW and Volkswagen face opposition to their dividend payouts. Uh, The Porsche and Piac family, which controls Volkswagen through their holding company, Porsche Automobile Holdings SE, and BMW is controlled by the Quant family. Each family member individually is worth billions. Uh, For BMW, Herbert Quant's son, Stefan, and his uh, daughter, Suzanne Quant-Clatton, own 46.8% of BMW. That's a big number. Two people own that much of the company. Uh, these families just assume they're going to get their usual gigantic dividend, you know, quarterly dividend payments. However, the board members think that the dividend should be reduced or suspended given the precarious global economy and the likelihood that uh, they're going to need cash to, you know, operate their business because they're going to have falling sales and things. So Volkswagen was going to pay out $3.6 billion in a dividend just for that quarter. And BMW, which is a much smaller company, was paying at $1.78 billion. Now, I know you're feeling sorry for the shareholders, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, crying a river. But I can't believe that they're surprised that there was pushback. I mean, is, is that like just being, you know, living in a bubble? I'm not quite sure. Yes. Apparently so. Uh, now, Nissan is still having problems. You know, that they're, they're going to get rid of the Datsun brand. Um, a, a couple of weeks ago, I think I talked about that they were using the Datsun brand in developing countries. Well, and, and that they, they used it in like India and parts of like South Africa. But I spoke too soon. Now they're going to kill it off as a cost-cutting cu- measure. The, hintri- the, the history is interesting, though. How did they get the Datsun name? Uh, it came, comes from the three original partners, Den, their first names, Den, Aoyama, uh, and Taku Takakuchi. I guess is how it's pronounced. So it's D-A-T. And then they when they first developed their a smaller car in 1931, they were going to call it dot sun. Uh, but in Japanese, if you use S-U-S-O-N, it means something different. It means loss. So D-A-T-S-O-N meant loss in Japanese. So that didn't sound too good, right? So they just changed it to dot sun. Which is, you know, what the brand is that we know it was when it started in the United States. Uh, so everything is going to be rebranded as as a Nissan, uh, and uh, that that so the developing markets since Nissan is partners with Renault. Renault has a lot of business in the in the developing markets, so they don't feel that they need to support those markets since their their uh, their their partner in in uh, in business, uh, Renault is already very good in those countries. Um, so, a lot of changes in the automotive industry uh, with all this pandemic stuff. So, yes. uh, thank you for sharing the time with me, John. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Have a nice week. And, and I want to thank everybody for listening. And here, this is Todd Bianco, John M. Mullen, all ripped up on iHebRadio. And we'll see you next time.